Have you ever experienced the joy of being forgiven or forgiving someone else? I'm sure you have, but I just want to share with you a little more on this subject of forgiveness from the Word of God today. Hello friends, I'm Erickson and this is Sabbath Moods, a weekly broadcast of the Rockingham Seventh-day Adventist Church in Western Australia. Welcome. I invite you to stay tuned until the very end. And hey, why not call up a friend and invite them to tune in as well? That'd be lovely. So welcome again and may God bless you. Let's begin with a song that relates a story of forgiveness. It's called Broken and Spilled Out, and it's by Steve Green. Father, just for love 
was done And though you were perfect and holy You gave up yourself willingly Welcome back to Sabbath Moods. In case you're just tuning in, we've only just started. That was our opening number by Steve Green, Broken and Spilled Out, a story of forgiveness. Today I want to begin with another story, not my original story, so you may have heard it before, but it's one that bears a powerful lesson. There was a little boy visiting his grandparents on their farm. He was given a slingshot to play with out in the woods. He practiced in the woods but could never hit a target. So getting a little discouraged, he headed back for dinner. As he was walking back, he saw Grandma's pet duck. Just out of impulse, he let the slingshot fly, hit the duck square in the head, and killed it. Now He was shocked and grieved. In a panic, he hid the dead duck in the woodpile, only to see his sister watching. Sally had seen it all. But she said nothing. After lunch the next day, Grandma said, Sally, let's wash the dishes. But Sally said, Grandma, Johnny told me he wanted to help in the kitchen. Then she whispered to him, Remember the duck. So Johnny did the dishes. Now Later that day, Grandpa asked the children if they wanted to go fishing, and Grandma said, I'm sorry, but I need Sally to help make supper. Sally just smiled and said, Well, that's all right, because Johnny told me he wanted to help. She whispered again, Remember the duck. So Sally went fishing, and Johnny stayed to help. 
After several days of Johnny doing both his chores and Sally's, he finally couldn't stand it any longer. He came to Grandma and confessed that he had killed the duck. Grandma knelt down, gave him a hug and said, Sweetheart, I know. You see, I was standing at the window and I saw the whole thing. But because I love you, I forgave you. I was just wondering how long you would let Sally make a slave of you. The lesson is this. Whatever is in your past, whatever you have done, and the devil keeps throwing it up in your face, the lying, your cheating, your debt, your fear, your bad habits, hatred, anger, bitterness, whatever it is, whatever, you need to know that God was standing at the window and he saw the whole thing. He has seen your whole life. And he wants you to know that he loves you and that you are forgiven. He was just wondering how long you would let the devil make a slave of you.
Amen. A beautiful number entitled There is a Fountain with Jamie George. This is Sabbath Moons on Faith FM from the Rockingham Seventh-day Adventist Church in Western Australia. And today we're taking another look at forgiveness. Now, the great thing about God is that when you ask for forgiveness, He not only forgives you, but He forgets. No, I'm serious. He does. Now, you're not sure whether you should believe what you've just heard? Okay, let's read it from the Bible in Micah chapter 7, verse 18. It says, Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. And again, Psalm 103 verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Now when God says he forgives, that's just what he does. Nothing less, nothing else. God cannot lie. The problem is not with God, it is with us. We have a hard time accepting that when God forgives us, he actually treats us as though we had never sinned. And so we're like, nah, that can't be real. How can he do that? How can he? Friend, it's because he is God, and that's just the kind of God he is. He's revealed like that all through the Bible. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 7, as a matter of fact, says, But you are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in kindness. God says, I am forgiven, and so I believe it. I believe that I am forgiven. And so I live like I am forgiven, because I am forgiven. And that's faith. That's faith in practice. Faith is the evidence of things not seen, according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Yes, yeah, true, I, I can't see God, and I can't see how God can forgive me. But I accept it by faith, and I am able to enjoy the blessed reality of living like a free man. Hallelujah. I am free. I don't care what you say, old devil. You can't blackmail me. You can't remind me about the duck, proverbial or real, that I killed. You can't remind me about the lie that I told. You can't remind me of the time I lost my temper and said some hurtful things. No, no, no. You can't remind me about my terrible past. God has forgiven my past. And God is remaking my present so that my future will become what my past should have been. I am forgiven. Amen. And so God looks at me and says, Erickson, because I have forgiven you, because I have released you from the pain and pressure of knowing that you did something wrong, because you are now experiencing the joy of being pardoned, I want you to go and release someone else. Go and pardon someone else. Go forgive someone else. As a matter of fact, let's read it in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Ephesians 4, verse 32 says, And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, in Christ, forgave you. And friends, when I think of the phrase, even as, three dimensions of God's forgiveness come to mind. I call them the three M's of forgiveness. Number one, God expects us to forgive with the same motive from which he forgave us. And what was that motive? 
L-O-V-E, love. He did it because He loves us. Number two, God expects us to forgive others in the same manner that He forgave us. And that is, while we were still wrong, in the wrong, in spite of being in the wrong, He forgave us. And number three, God expects us to forgive others in the same measure that He forgave us. Psalm 103 verse 3 says He forgives all. Friends, A-double-L, all our iniquities. And so those three M's, manner, motive, and measure, even as God forgave us. I'm going to talk about them in detail, but let's take another musical pause, and then we'll come back and talk about them. This song says, I'm free, and it's done by the Gaither Vocal Band. Stay tuned. Search for life's meaning Enslaved by this world
You're listening to Faith FM, and this is Sabbath Moods from the Rockingham Seventh-day Adventist Church. I'll be right back after this instrumental with the three M's of God's forgiveness. Stay tuned.
Welcome back, friends. So, we were saying, just before the musical break, that God expects us to forgive others just as He forgave us in Christ to Jesus. And I mentioned the three M's of His forgiveness. The motive, because He loved us. The manner, graciously, while we were still sinners. And the measure, all our iniquities. It is easy to forgive, is it? I don't think it is. I don't think so. Honestly, I don't think so. When we are wronged in some way, our natural inclination is to fight back, to get even. And needless to say, this reaction, although entirely human, is almost always in error. One philosopher said, Forgiveness is better than revenge, for forgiveness is the sign of a gentle nature, but revenge is the sign of a savage nature. Hmm. But the other question, is it possible? Is it? Well, is it better be? Why would God expect us to do the impossible? So, it is possible. Humanly speaking, no, no. But we want to go beyond human possibility. We want to penetrate the realm of faith today. When Jesus lives in a person through the Holy Spirit, according to Galatians 2.20, which says, Yet not I, but Christ lives in me, He makes it possible. We're not fighting. We're not striving. We're not struggling. That's the human level. But when the Holy Spirit is resident in, and as I like to say, sometimes president of our lives, His power makes Christ-like forgiveness a very real and victorious possibility. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to ask today, is there somebody that you have not forgiven? Hmm. Take a moment to reflect. And let me ask you again. Let me ask you again. Is there someone somewhere that you have not forgiven? I want to ask another question. Suppose that that other person dies tonight or today without your having forgiven him or her. How would you feel? But I want to ask yet another question. Suppose this was your very last day on this earth. And suppose you knew that it was coming. And that after today, the very next thing would be that you're facing God in judgment. Would you still not forgive that person? Those are serious questions, friends. God wants you to be free from the burden of not forgiving others. Some people call that unforgiveness. <laughs> unforgiveness is a heavy load. It's like a disease, too that is slowly and quietly eating away at a person's emotional and spiritual well-being. It's like a self-imposed bondage. You're not free. You're not happy. And that's not what God wants for you. He wants you to enjoy a life that is joyful, full to overflowing, and free from guilt. But what's more, he says in Mark chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. So, so what are you going to do? Well, I'll let you have a think about that while we take another musical pause. This one says, Forgive Me by Michael Harris. Stay tuned.
been raised in a perfect surrounding I go to church once a week, sometimes too Lord, I want to be what you want me to be Often sin represents all I do
This is Sabbath Moods on Faith FM from the Rockingham Seventh-day Adventist Church. My name is Erickson. I want to close. Yes, we're not too far from the end of the broadcast. I want to close with another story, which comes from Guidepost Magazine, a 1979 issue. I'm going to read it just as it's written. And it says this. The hospital was unusually quiet that bleak January evening. Quiet and still like the air before a storm. I stood at the nurse's station on the seventh floor and glanced at the clock. It was 9 p.m. I threw a stethoscope around my neck and headed for room 712, the last room on the hall. Room 712 had a new patient, Mr. Williams. A man all alone. A man strangely silent about his family. As I entered the room, Mr. Williams looked up eagerly, but dropped his eyes when he saw it was only me, his nurse. I pressed the stethoscope over his chest and listened. Strong, slow, even beating. Just what I wanted to hear. There seemed little indication he had suffered a slight heart attack a few hours earlier. He looked up from his starched white bed. Nurse, will you? He hesitated, tears filling his eyes. Once before he had started to ask me a question, but had changed his mind. I touched his hand, waiting. He brushed away a tear. Would you call my daughter? Tell her I've had a heart attack. A slight one. You see, I live alone and she's the only family I have. His respiration suddenly speeded up. I turned his nasal oxygen up to eight liters a minute. Of course, I'll call her. I said, studying his face. He gripped the sheets and pulled himself forward, his face tense with urgency. Will you call her right away, as soon as you can? He was breathing fast, too fast. I'll call her the very first thing, I said, patting his shoulder. I flipped up the light. He closed his eyes, such young blue eyes in his fifty-year-old face. Room 712 was dark except for a faint nightlight under the sink. Oxygen gurgled in the green tubes above his bed. Reluctant to leave, I moved through the shadowy silence to the window. The panes were cold. Below, a foggy mist curled through the hospital parking lot. Nurse, he called, could you get me a pencil and paper? I dug a scrap of yellow paper and pen from my pocket and set it on the table beside him. I walked back to the nurse's station and sat in a squeaky swivel chair by the phone. Mr. Williams' daughter was listed on his chart as the next of kin. I got her number from information and dialed. Her soft voice answered, Janie, this is Sue Kidd, a registered nurse at the hospital. I'm calling about your father. He was admitted tonight with a slight heart attack and... <gasps> no! She screamed into the phone, startling me. He's not dying, is he? His condition is stable at the moment, I said, trying to sound convincing. Silence. I bit my lip. You must not let him die, she said. Her voice was so utterly compelling that my hand trembled on the phone. He's getting the very best care. But you don't understand, she pleaded. My daddy and I haven't spoken in almost a year. We had a terrible argument on my 21st birthday over my boyfriend. I ran out of the house. Uh, I haven't been back. 
all these 12 months, I wanted to go to him for forgiveness. The last thing I said to him was, I hate you. Her voice cracked and I heard her heave great agonizing sobs. I sat listening, tears burning my eyes. A father and a daughter so lost to each other. Then I was thinking of my, my own father many miles away. It has been so long since I had said, I love you. As Jeannie struggled to control her tears, I breathed a prayer. Please, God, let this daughter find forgiveness. I'm coming, I'm coming now. I'll be there in 30 minutes, she said. Click. She had hung up the phone. I tried to busy myself with a stack of charts on the, ch on the desk. I, I could not concentrate. Room 712. I knew I had to get back to room 712. So I hurried down the hall, nearly in a run. I opened the door. Mr. Williams lay unmoving. I reached for his pulse. There was none. Code 99, room 712, code 99, stat. The alert was shooting through the hospital within seconds after I had called a switchboard through the intercom by the bed. Mr. Williams had had a cardiac arrest. With lightning speed, I leveled the bed and bent over his mouth, breathing air into his lungs. I positioned my hand over his chest and compressed. One, two, three. I tried to count. At 15, I moved back to his mouth and breathed in as deeply as I could. Where was the help? Again, I compressed and breathed, compressed and breathed. He could not die. Oh, God, I prayed. His daughter is coming. Don't let it end this way. The door burst open. Doctors and nurses poured into the room, pushing emergency equipment. A doctor took over the manual compression of the heart. A tube was inserted through his mouth as an airway. Nurses plunged syringes of medicine into intravenous tubing. I connected the heart monitor. Nothing. Not a beat. My own heart pounded. God, don't let it end like this. Not in bitterness and hatred. His daughter is coming. Please, let her find peace. Stand back, cried the doctor. I handed him the paddles for the electrical shock to the heart. He placed them on Mr. Williams' chest. Over and over we tried. But nothing. No response. Mr. Williams was dead. A nurse unplugged the oxygen. The gurgling stopped. One by one they left, grim and silent. How could this happen? How? I stood by his bed, stunned. A cold wind rattled the window, pelting panes with snow. Outside, everywhere, seemed a bed of blackness, cold and dark. How could I face his daughter? When I left the room, I saw her against the wall by a water fountain. A doctor who had been inside 712 only moments before stood at her side, talking to her, gripping her elbow. Then he moved on, leaving her slumped against the wall. Such pathetic hurt reflected from her face, such wounded eyes. She knew the doctor had told her that her father was gone. I took her hand and led her into the nurse's lounge. We sat on little green stools, neither saying a word. She stared straight ahead at the pharmaceutical calendar, glass-faced, almost breakable-looking. Janie, I'm so sorry, I said. It was pitifully inadequate. I never hated him, you know. I loved him, she said. God, please help her, I thought. 
Suddenly, she whirled toward me. I want to see him. My first thought was, why put yourself through more pain? Seeing him will only make it worse. But I got up and wrapped my arm around her. We walked slowly down the corridor to 712. Outside the door, I squeezed her hand, wishing she would change her mind about going inside. She pushed open the door. We moved to the bed, huddled together, taking small steps in unison. Janie leaned over the bed and buried her face in the sheets. I tried not to look at her at this sad, sad goodbye. I backed against the bedside table. My hand fell on a scrap of yellow paper. I picked it up. It read, My dearest Janie, I forgive you. I pray you will also forgive me. I know that you love me. I love you too. Daddy. The note was shaking in my hands as I thrust it toward Janie. She read it once, then twice. Her tormented face grew radiant. Peace began to glisten in her eyes. She hugged the scrap of paper to her breast. Thank you, God, I whispered, looking up at the window. A few crystal stars blinked through the blackness. A snowflake hit the window and melted away, gone forever. Life seemed as fragile as a snowflake on the window, but thank you, God, that relationships, sometimes fragile as snowflakes, can be mended together again. But there's not a moment to spare. I crept from the room and hurried to the phone. I was going to call my father. I would say, I love you. I love you. I'll be right back. Jesus, I love thee, I know thou art mine, for thee all the follies of sin I resign, my gracious Redeemer, my Savior art Thou. If ever I love Thee, my Jesus, tis now. First love me and purchase my pardon on Calvary's tree. I love thee for wearing the thorns on thy brow. If
You're listening to Faith FM, and this is Sabbath Moods from the Rockingham Seventh-day Adventist Church. And we're talking about forgiveness today. And I want to ask you, after that song and that story, what are we waiting for today? Those of us who may not have forgiven others, no matter what they have done, no matter who they may be, if God has spoken to your heart through this broadcast today, why not ask Him to give you the power to do something about forgiving others? Why not say to Him today, Lord God, I know you've forgiven me at the cross all of my sins while I was still your enemy. And just out of sheer love for me, I know that. I accept it, but I'm having a really hard time forgiving others. I somehow just can't bring myself to do unto others what you have done unto me. Lord, I don't want this thing to continue having power over me. Give me, I pray, a winning heart to surrender to the power of your Holy Spirit so that I may experience the joy of forgiving others with the same motive, in the same manner, and with the same measure that you forgave me. Is that your prayer today? Or maybe you're not struggling with this issue, but you just want to say, Oh God, in response to what I've heard, I ask you to keep me and to continue to empower me to forgive others just as you forgave me. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, if you have prayed for either of those two reasons today, I want to affirm you. I want you to know that I have prayed with you, and I want to assure you that God is more than willing to answer your prayer. So go now and practice His forgiveness in your daily life, and may He bless you.
Sabbath Moods on Faith FM with me, Erickson. Just time for one more item before we close off today's broadcast. Stay tuned. A little boy is crying for affection A little girl needs a hand to hold And oh, how he loves those little children How he longs to be a friend to young and old His tender spirit welcomes all who seek him His giving heart asks little in return And I have found His promises faithful I seek to live my life that I may learn To be like Jesus
You have been listening to Sabbath Moods, a broadcast of the Rockingham Seventh Adventist Church in Western Australia. The Rockingham Seventh Adventist Church meets every Saturday morning from 9.15 at number 21 Wanness Street in Rockingham for Bible study, fellowship and worship. We also have a small group Bible study and prayer on Wednesday evenings from 7 to 8. You're welcome to visit us whenever our doors are open. Our mailing address is PO Box 368 Rockingham WA. 6168. You can also find us online, rockingham.adventist.org.au or on our Facebook page. Or you can leave a message on telephone number 0476-416-740. I'm glad that you were able to stay tuned today and I invite you to catch the broadcast next Friday afternoon at this same time right here on Faith AFM. So until then, this is Erickson on behalf of the Rockingham Church saying, May God bless and keep you. Take care. And bye-bye.